Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You'd be off. Have we gone? We're not interested at all. Just leave. <laughs> <laughs> Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And we're back in the Rugby Dungeon, uh, here to talk about Six Nations on this podcast, there'll be a domestic podcast in your feed as well. Uh, you've already heard just a little snippet of how excited JB is for this one. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> we have to be tactical, don't we Phil? We've got to keep him interested. Yeah, so we do the domestic one second. Because then, then he comes alive, then the energy, it's like he gets his second wind. <laughs> there a lot of interesting results this weekend, I can tell you. They really a have. Lot. Hey, re- but this is international weekend, right? Yes, it is. All it is. internationals. So, let's start with the bigger story. Congratulations, Spain. Uh, congratulations, oh yeah, Spain, because Russia are not Spain, aren't they? Yeah, that's exactly right. Commiseration, yeah, not Russia. And for any newcomers to the pod, you just want to explain that briefly, how we came to refer to Spain as not Spain. Uh, as, Russia, as Russia as not Spain. Yeah. So, so well, the moral of the story is you can't keep a good team down. So, in in my opinion, they had qualified in their own right. Twenty eighteen or tw- yeah, in twenty eighteen for the twenty nineteen World Cup. Yeah, so they should have been. That yeah. should be their yeah. first World Cup. Yes, because they yeah, so they qualified in the twenty eighteen European Rugby Nations Cup Challenge Correct. Championship thing. Um, the the autumn after that, we saw the repechage, the conclusion of the repechage in Marseille, but that was the tournament before then, so 2018, where we were in Madrid to watch Spain hammer Germany. Yeah, we, to them. and we thought that was the the week before, so that was like the the final home game. Yeah, before Spain were going to seal their World Cup spot for 2019, they just had to roll over. Belgium. They had to roll over Belgium. Single so game. Even point. even the king of Spain turned up to that game. Yeah, yeah. No, and the, again, apparently this weekend. Did he? Oh, yeah. very good. Well, yeah. So that was Ashley like, Giles. So Spain had a big <laughs> Spain had a big turnout for their final home game in that year, and then they just had to go and beat Belgium and a Russian referee. No, no Romanian, Romanian referee. referee. Remember the name. <laughs> Remember the name. <laughs> and then the, the administrators in rugby, it was all up in arms. Yeah, so a huge controversy. What actually happened is it was obvious that this ref had destroyed the game. But you can't really prove that. There's no email chain. There's no backhanders. There's a couple of rumours I've heard about 
the Romanian team celebrating it with Vlad uh, in some of the bars that we've that we've frequented. I even got sent a bloody uh, picture of a business card that he left at one of the bars. So because well, yeah, we went to we went to Bucharest the year before, exactly, yeah. and we thoroughly enjoyed the hospitality of the Romania rugby. So yes, but Romania were not blameless in all this. Would be my suggestion. But they couldn't prove it. So they went down a different route, which was player ineligibility. <laughs> I think this... they turned over every leaf they possibly could find in every direction. Yeah. And this was the technicality because they got them on. they didn't want Romania to go to the World Cup. Yes. So Russia was sort of blameless in this. They were just the fortunate benefactors. <laughs> let, let me be clear. JB's talking. Russia were blameless in this. In, in 2018. Yes. In the Rugby, Rugby World Cup yes. 2019. Exactly. They, they were blameless. <laughs> they were just the guys that were the beneficiaries of the fact that Georgia had Already qualified. Yeah. Spain would have qualified if they weren't um, cheated by a Romanian referee. Yeah. They couldn't have Romania go, go in, and therefore they tried something else. <laughs> the, now, only, this, the only one left. Yeah, the, and now it all came from, I think, the Cook Islands had some ineligibility problems. That's where it all came from. So the precedent was, uh, it was set, and then Spain got hammered because they were using guys who were not qualified... But were French are playing like in Pro de Deux and lower down. I think they had some potential like Kiwis or Safas who'd not had the full quali- yeah. residential qualification any, period. Anyways, and Romania had some Salcianders. Yes. Yeah. Spain didn't go to the World Cup. We felt it was a travesty. It we was felt, a travesty. And we were invested in that particular campaign for Spain because we were there in Madrid with two, over 200 uh, Egg Chasers listeners. Uh, and if you were there, you'll know what a great weekend it was. And mm. we've had so many emails this weekend from people that were in Madrid. Yeah. Uh, Matt Clifford being one, he's emailed contacteggchasers at gmail.com saying he's a, a big fan of Los Leones. Mm. And he'll be at second place Spain versus third place Portugal in Madrid uh, at the weekend with Georgia already having qualified um, after the expulsion of Russia. Um, he just wanted to point out what a massive game it was. Spain won and have qualified for the Rugby World Cup 2023, their first World Cup in about 20 years. I think Maybe yeah. the first World Cup, actually. No, no, I think they've qualified once before. Portugal have. Yeah, Portugal qualified at least a couple of times. I think Spain have qualified once before. I'm no, not sure. No, no, maybe, no, maybe I'm... I don't, I don't remember Spain being in one in my... No, uh, since, since like, 2003, I do, don't remember them being in, in one. I think you might well be correct. Yeah, so just a few more things on Spain. One of the reasons that we went to Spain-Germany is because we took an interest in Tier 2, but Spain have very slowly, very gradually, step by step, been doing all the right things you need as an emerging nation to get to where they need to be. And what I love about this is last time when they qualified, rightly so in my in my mind, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't like the one-off golden generation. They've been putting the foundations in for decades now. So it's so good to see them actually come back from what... You know, I don't know... If I could lift myself up from that, if I was an amateur player and I was that close to the World, to World Cup or in Pro de Deux or wh- wherever they get their players from, and you get literally inches away, not literally inches away, because that's ridiculous, that's not a thing, but, but metaphorically inches, inches away. <laughs> literally inches away from the shores of Japan in 2019. <laughs> they're told inches to go away. back. <laughs> Take it away from me. Uh, I'm not sure I could... I could they were ankle spoilers. deep in the Japanese waters. <laughs> they were, the they were wading to shore. <laughs> uh, Japan last... Uh, they appeared in the tournament in 1999. There we go. Japan. Uh, Spain did. Spain, Spain did, did, yes. yes. Spain did, sorry, yes. Okay. Uh, and uh, just you've just reminded me of something. We have been contacted on an email with uh, an, another literally 
Um, and it's Mike Tyndall at it again. Have oh, a listen. Mike Thank you, Dan Collins, for uh, letting us know about the this. Team from other podcast. We enjoy that. What? what? Is he on another? I thought he was just an England player. I didn't know. If you go through it, Bai is carrying exceptionally well. Marshawn is is, is fantastic. Yeah, and literally a machine. Wow. <laughs> that's not on. That's not allowed. No, it's not allowed. They're literally to jail. <laughs> Ridiculous. So well, well done, Spain. Congratulations, Spain. I'm just disappointed we can't see Portugal next weekend. Because Portugal obviously pushed Spain very close this weekend. Yeah, you two are going to be in Lisbon. You... They got a draw against Georgia start of the tournament. Yeah, not bad. And uh, Spain travelled to Tbilisi this weekend to win the whole thing if they beat, if they beat Georgia. Yeah. Which will be tough going, but maybe not impossible. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome yes. stuff. Yes. Uh, as for the Six Nations, oh, just a, a briefly, a bit of housekeeping. So, obviously, contact tedchasers at gmail.com. We'll pepper the emails through uh, through the pod. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. That's one way you can thank us if you appreciate the podcast being there for you. 52 weeks of the year, every single Monday morning, nine seasons and counting, over 600 episodes and counting. And thank you for your support, which you can also uh, give us at patreon.com forward slash eggchasers. Mm. Yes, do that. It'd be great. I quite like a Friday night. Six Nations game, and so, I, I quite like the Six Nations being done Saturday tea time as well. Yeah, I do. Yeah, actually. I don't mind that. It allows us to focus on Premiership on the Sunday, which yep. is always good. Yeah, um, I, I do. I do have an issue. I said this before on the pod. I have an issue with the quarter to five kickoff, unless I'm going to the game, just because it's, it's, it's with young children. It's a very awkward time, but it allows me to do what I like even more, which is turn my phone off about four p.m record the game, and then watch it in total comfort with no distractions at all at about 8 o'clock with a I, nice can of a- IPA. I did exactly the same, Phil. For, I love love doing that. For, ve- could... for very different reasons. Nothing to do with small kids. and It's, de- it's depressing, <laughs> the actual reason, but I found myself at 5pm in Ikea. Oh, on a Saturday? Just... Why? Why? Oh. Uh, well, we've just had some building work done. The The... Spend all that money on a wonderful house and you go to Ikea. Well, the <laughs> the, the wardrobes... In, oh God, this sounds ridiculous. The wardrobes in the dressing room. The dressing room. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> the dressing room in your bedroom or in the West Wing? Uh, the dressing room in our bedroom, <laughs> which is now the, the, the penthouse suite. Yeah. In the loft. Um, anyway, the, the, builders did, the builders managed to negotiate me down. They said, look, can you... Can you just buy the carcasses from IKEA and, and we'll and we'll fit them in so they look like fitted wardrobes? But honestly, it'll save you money and it will just it's so not much. Less. So anyway, I had to get some IKEA drawers and then build them. Anyway, <laughs> I watched it about eight o'clock at night. The same as yes, you. with with, and, with a beer. You're with, right with a beer and no phone. No phone, phone. Phone totally switched off, so no distraction. Yep. Not not worrying about what people are moaning about on Twitter, which I imagine it blew up uh, eighty two yeah. seconds oh, into the game. So I didn't see right. I didn't see any of that. Yeah. Absolutely delighted not yeah. to see any of that. Do you, do you want to start there or start on Friday night? Or how do you want to play it? Don't mind really. Um, yeah, let's 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 go with let's go with Friday night. Friday night. night. Yeah, yeah, Friday night. So Friday um, Friday night. Obviously, France are on for the Grand Slam. Yeah, France may be a generationally great team. Certainly, a French generationally great team. They're wonderful to watch. They are packed full of superstars. There's everything to love about this team, both their story, their physicality, their flair, and yet not many people in Wales could be bothered coming to see them. Well, yeah, what happened here? There was apparently some 10,000 seats. Yeah, as of Friday evening, 
So Friday afternoon, you could still buy 30 tickets next to each other on the WRU website, which is only limited because that's the maximum amount that you can well, buy. Is this because it was a Friday night and difficult for some people in well, Wales to get to after work? Or some was it, people was it the say. pricing structure of it? What was? Well, apparently it was more expensive. Apparently the Friday night, people no one wants to show up, which we know, by the way, is not true because we've seen Friday night games which are fine. Uh, I suppose France, it's hard for French people to travel. Yes, it is. Which yeah. they normally would do. Yes, that's a fair point. But it's also a great game. And you've got an opportunity of watching some amazing rugby. I'm amazed, I'm amazed it didn't sell out. But there again, if you constantly berate your fan base as being drunken oafs who vomit on children and you take away their beer and you weaken it and you shut the bars at bars at half time. What do you expect? Why would I want to give you give you that money? And then you combine that with higher ticket prices, which inevitably will happen if you can't sell beer, which I imagine is a quite nice little money maker at the main <laughs> stadium. It's just stupid. Five or six quid a pint. Yeah. You'll, yeah. you'll be rolling in cash. I, I know a few lads that went down this weekend and uh, you, know, you can't possibly back this up because the people you'd want to question are too hammered. But the instances of people coming to the stadium more drunk than normal <laughs> is actually quite high now because people like to have drinks before the stadium knowing that they can't get a beer inside the stadium. They're like 16-year-olds going down to the park with their Absolutely ready-mixed bottle right. preloaded. Exactly or students preloading before you go out to the club. It, yeah, it's like putting a curfew in late at night. Like yeah. We had um, oh, ridiculous curfews, scenes, yeah. various points during lockdown everyone has got an end in sight so everyone will drink faster to hit that end oh yeah i mean when we were in bath and everyone kicks out at 10 o'clock it was like a race it was it was absolute carnage i've never seen anything, I've honestly not seen anything like that since oh before the licensing laws were reformed and everyone kicked out at exactly the same time that, I, that's how it was, it I, was I remember boozing down in london um on at that time where there was a 10 o'clock curfew and the underground at five past ten or twenty past ten oh, was yeah. insane. It was because every, everyone has got drunker than they possibly can, and they're all on the street at the same time. And How everyone's in the tube. Not die on the underground. I don't get that. <laughs> there's a there's, there's a few incidents. Yeah, one or two. Uh, not yeah. yeah, not that many considering. So them. anecdotally, as you understand it, people were just t- turned up having preloaded. Well, I mean, we, you know, if someone just told me that I can't trust you to go to the bar, so I'm going to shut it. I don't want to give them, give, them, give them my money. I'm drinking. People seem to think that we, and this relates to the red card as well, which we'll talk about later, but people seem to think rugby is here for some higher purpose, that we play it for some reason or we watch it for some reason other than just enjoyment. And we don't. It's just enjoyment. And if <laughs> It I could be UFC, it, it could be an opera, yeah. it could be whatever. It's and rugby. I want to get drunk at, drink at those two. I mean, I don't want to drive to the opera. I don't I, want to drive back from the opera. Yeah, I'm not going to the opera unless I'm nice and drunk. Yes, by exactly the way, right. By the way, that was one of Martin Lewis's uh, money-saving expert tips. Get smashed was, at the opera. Was get, get smashed before you go out to the rugby. That's what he said. Oh, really? <laughs> get, <laughs> he's probably right. <laughs> and, he, and before the opera. He's, and he said, tenant super. I um, wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the argument goes something like this, right? If you're only there to get drunk at the rugby, don't come, you're not a real fan. I would like to make the opposite um, argument, which is... If your goal as a journalist in Wales Online is to write about don't get not getting drunk at the rugby, you're not the real fan. In fact, I don't think you've ever played rugby. How can you ever play rugby and not know how integral getting drunk is at the game? I just don't. 
the only reason you go there is to get drunk. If if you want to and vomit on children, but I tell you what, <laughs> that is ridiculously hard. I've tried to vomit on many child, and they're just so fast. <laughs> if you do want to watch every single uh, play in detail from multiple camera angles, you're best not go into the game. Yeah, the more you watch less rugby at the game than you do. Uh, yeah. In a clubhouse, what, what you do get to soak up, which I've I've experienced at the well, it was then the Millennium Stadium, and I can imagine at Twickenham, sixty minutes into the game uh, on Saturday evening, it would have been just bouncing, and that, oh, yeah. that's and, that's why you're there. And, at those and games. You know, one of these yeah. thing, things you need to remember, right, is that if you are the kind of guy who likes to to tweet multiple uh, things in, in into a thread about how the game went. That's really cool, because we need people like that who really pay attention to the game. That's how innovation happens. That's how people think about the game. And those people who really enjoy the game or take it seriously or write about it or whatnot, if they want to watch it from the press area or if they want to watch it from home and get all the details and the replays, like like, like Phil says, stay at home and do it. It's not, you know, it, you go to that game because on that Friday night or that sat- Saturday night, people who don't usually watch rugby are full of na- um, national passion. They're proud to be there. They want to get drunk. It's an occasion. It's a cultural thing. It's not just for you to ruin it so you can write down the various plays and be all pious about it uh, well, I, later on. I think it's some. It's, there's an element where it's that unspoken thing. M- much like you're not allowed. You're not allowed to say, or some people will look down on you if you say. I love it when you see a massive smash yeah. of a hit in rugby, Courtney. which I do. I love it when you see Courtney Laws fold up Jules Police on in half, and you know, and anyone a, a player really? a player could come to serious injury in that. I love it. It's one yeah. of the reasons I played rugby. It's one of the reasons I watch rugby. It's one of the reasons I love rugby. The bravery, the courage, the physical challenge of it. But it's it's almost like you're. Uh, well, because I, I'm I, out of order for saying yeah. that, but that's the truth. Much as going to a rugby, going to Twickenham on a Saturday evening, there are a load of people there that are, are there with their mates, and it's part of a, a whole day, a whole night, yeah, it's making cultural. memories, and it's, like you say, cultural, and it's the, the whole experience. The exactly. match, the pubs. The getting lost. Yeah, exactly. Not finding a way home. Exactly. It's all, and I've done all those things. Yeah, yeah, massive walk back to whatever city you're in, except for Cardiff. Yeah, getting in the... Taxi to Newport to travel in to, to realise that you're staying in Cardiff travel in. You know, you, everything that can go wrong should go wrong, and that it all involves drinking and watching rugby. Yeah, and it's all wonderful. Talking, uh, that's talking about things going wrong. But I don't think it did actually. I quite like how Wales handled themselves. Wales are so they struggled in the first game against Ireland, and perhaps that just shows how good Ireland can be when they're on song. Besides that, they are such a horrible team to try and break down. Yeah, they work so hard. Their defence is really good. They've got a, a couple of excellent, excellent kickers, particularly from deep in Dan Bigger and Liam Williams, yeah. who I think they really got the better of France in the kicking duels that happened this weekend, and that that led to um, Wales restricting France in the way that they did. And, and just to dovetail briefly, because we will talk about it in more depth, obviously, but England got the better of Ireland in, in that sense as well. And it, in the kicking. It, it, oh, oh, oh. Well, it, in some respects, then. in some yeah, yeah, well, it, or, or at least it was um, they did better. It was it was a strength relative. It was. And, we'll talk about some of England's strengths and weaknesses yeah, we can talk about in some a of bit. But yeah, Wales. I thought when I saw the teams, I actually um, texted a WhatsApp group of ours and said France by one hundred. Yeah, because minimum. you look on paper, you just think this France team is going to absolutely destroy that Welsh team. And they couldn't. No. They they only broke them down from that the one try from that one. It was a William Williams loose kick with Jaminet and Villiers, um, and 
Jolange, and they fin- finished that beautifully. Besides that, they had a real tough time of it. Yeah, and it was Wales were unlucky not to get more out of the game. I mean, with 10, 12 minutes left when Jonathan Davies drops mm. that pass inside from Falatau, he collects that and scores. Wales could have won this game. It was it was there for them. Yeah, and now there were a few things, tactical things. I think Wales did really well. For the first time in a long time, Cameron Wockey was not dominant in in the lineout. Mm. Which I can't believe people haven't worked this out before. It always goes to him because he's amazing. Yeah, but you know, simple isn't easy. Wales seemed to have solved that, and I wonder if part of that was having the third lineout jumper in Seb Davis bolted on at six. Mm. That's not a bad idea. Uh, yeah, and again, there was a lot of chat from people bemused at the selection of Seb Davis. I can see that. I mean, there's well, no, so I can, many I can, good back rows I, in Wales. I can 100% see it, but I think that alone, what you've just identified, the line-out is such an yeah. important launch pad mm. for France. Wales disrupted it. France found life difficult. Wayne Pivak, vindication in selection. And yes. And, and, and those people that were very, very noisy, and there was, there was some in particular I heard that were... That, that, yeah, were, that were really vocif- vociferously saying, what on earth are you doing, Wayne Pivak? Well, uh, I don't know if you've heard, Tim Basham is like the best player on the planet now after the Ireland game. Uh, didn't, didn't, didn't play this week. But um, Wales, and the reason I mentioned Tim Basham is because Wales have got so many good players. Yeah, they do. Like, Faletau's come back, and he might be the best player on the planet now. Faletau, he, he, what did he play? About 80 minutes in, across two or three games for Bath. Yeah. And then just looks... World class. I mean, that that tackle he made, hunting down. Was it Jaminet? I think it was. Yeah. What? It, that was just incredible. Yeah. Bath. The athleticism. Must of the be guys scratching the head. Like, who is this guy? Yeah. How, do, <laughs> how do we sign him? Yeah. Where's he going to go? <laughs> how much does he want? <laughs> yeah. Open checkbook. So I mean, I it will maybe a discussion for another time. What the point is in him going back to Wales? But just a marvellous, you know, another marvellous, marvellous game. And what I like about him so much is um, how he runs into contact. And he can get smashed because he's not enormous. He's not like Billy, uh, no, B- no. Billy V. He's or... not 130 kilos. No. And he will then get up and do it again and again and again. His work rate is almost, almost as impressive as his talent. He's nearly as good as Stephen Jones has been saying for... However many years, <laughs> nearly that good, and he's so good in the outside channel as well because of his, as you mentioned, Tim, his athleticism. He's yeah. such a talented player. Yeah. Do you know a guy that I love? And it won't surprise you why I love him. No, that I do love him. Maybe, I, maybe the reason that that I, I love him might um, surprise you. Josh Navidi. I love Josh Navidi. Yeah. I love Josh Navidi because he's physical. He'd be an amazing grappler. You can just tell. Um, but do you know why else I like him? Because I think about how many caps he should have. And what he's done with his career. And do you, when you watch the Welsh regions and you go, they are terrible. There's not a single player that I like there. There's not one that I recognise. They're all kids. Well, Josh Navidi was doing all the hard work for Cardiff for years and years and years and years while Sam Warburton was wrapped up in cotton wool and only playing for Wales. <laughs> like, that's what he was doing. He was nose to the grindstone every week. And now finally he's, finally he's got some task out. He was Sam Warburton's fluffer. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but, and, yeah, they're, they're very similar ages, two years apart. It's incredible. And, you know, he is the reason that the Welsh system is so broken because it, he does not have 60 caps, but he's given more service to Welsh rugby than most ever will. And he can't go, go over to make uh, more money in the Premiership or France because he's done what everyone should do, <laughs> shut up and play really, really hard. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's a great example of why I, I just hate the 60 cap rule. Because lads like him should be able to go overseas now and earn a fortune. 
Can I tell you something I really enjoyed? I'm yes. Gonna, I'm going I'm to play this. It was the, um, the BBC commentary team. It was Eddie Butler with Jonathan Davis on one side of him and Joe Worsley, Worsley on the other. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. What I quite enjoyed about it, as I'll, this clip this clip is a great example of it, I'll play you in a sec, is Jiffy and Joe Worsley, it sounded like someone had just put two microphones in front of two random fans in the stadium. Eddie Butler is just kind of doing his commentary thing and Jiffy and Joe Worsley are just kind of paying no attention to him and just saying the first thing that comes into their head. Have a listen. There we go. It's gone very loose. Who this remains to be seen. There we go, that's the clip. And and that final bit of commentary from Eddie Butler made me think of something else which I've prepared. Have a listen to this. Jay, what's that? What's that noise? It's your phone, isn't it? Oh, is it? Oh, okay, fine. I'm holding the phone, playing it. (laughs) (laughs) That final bit of commentary from uh, from Eddie Jones reminded me of something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, crunch and grind. No, you can't play him! We're going to get in a lot of trouble for you playing him. A little bit of crunch and grind. Nice. Yeah, we're going to get demonetised for oh, that one. No. <laughs> no more money for us. Yeah, sorry about that. One more, one more, one more. You got to see him in person, didn't you? I did. A little bit of crunch and grind. Oh, I'll say that now. <laughs> <laughs> I recant. I'll, uh, re- sorry, go on. Uh, anyway, I, I I quite enjoyed that dynamic of just Jiffy shouting, Joe Worsley doing the same. It was good. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, Joe Worsley did that. He made lots and lots of very perceptive points. Not in conversational format, just shout Just out. shout them out. Well, he's, a, he's a good he coach. He's a professional coach, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I really like when BT Sport do this fairly frequently. Not so much BBC. In fact, never the BBC, to be fair. But BT Sport will get um, Glenn Delaney on who is so perceptive. And he can tell you things like which are really cutting edge because he's a great thinker. Mm. And I'm pretty sure Joe Worsley is cut from a similar sort of cloth, which is he studies the game. So he might just be shouting out wide or look at the space. But there probably is space there and it's probably worth listening to. Yes. I'm not saying Jiffy's not, but he's not. Well, you, you, Yeah, you had <laughs> Joe Worsley being the yeah. perceptive, like making really perceptive. Oh, Wales are narrow here. Brilliant. Let me look for that. And Jiffy going, numbers! Yeah. They're basically making the same point <laughs> yeah. in slightly different ways. Jiffy's probably no longer the student of the game that uh, he <laughs> once was. No. He just watches Wales Didn't 10 Clive, times a year. I, I'm, I know Clive Woodward gets an unfair rap. But um, sometimes some, he sometimes, it, sometimes it's fair. Sometimes it's fair. Didn't and, he call and, Charlie Yules that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Which is completely fair, by the way. Cause <laughs> most England play, uh, yeah, most England fans until that red card would have said that. Clive yeah. Woodward gets more stick from me about the fact he hasn't updated his suit collection in about <laughs> 15 oh, years. Oh, we need to talk about suits later. We need to talk, we're getting well off track here. Wales, another yeah. thing. F- one of the few teams that kept Gregory Aldrich very quiet. Mm. He was apparently poorly. 
in the build-up oh, to the game, right. which might explain that. Yes. Yeah, maybe. He was under the weather. However, he took to the field, so he obviously was well enough to play, and um, on that basis, you're absolutely right. Well, they, they, might, they kept a lot of guys quiet, because that yeah. back line, Dupont didn't stand out, Unterback yep. didn't stand out, Villiers did have a good game, Dante and Ficou were fairly quiet, Mofana was quiet, Jaminet was quiet. Well, you got no line-out ball. Well, you got less line-out ball. You, one of your top ball carriers isn't getting over the game line. Wales's top ball carrier is get, getting over the game line. You know, mm. it evens things out pretty rapidly. Yeah. It was brave, wasn't it? Heroic. A heroic Wales. defeat from Wales. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that said, leave? France winning when they're not... When they didn't play well. Great. So, yeah. Wales now go to Ireland, right? And if they put up a cricket score no. against Ireland... Sorry, it, Italy. Italy. Italy, right? Will they go ahead of England if England lose? Uh, when, when England lose, then yeah. <laughs> uh, Wales it will be points difference, and I think after the England Ireland score, it will be pretty similar, won't it? Because it, it, it was Wales. Because so, it was Wales Ireland was a similar gap. So it? Wales are currently four points behind England. Yeah, uh, four. Po- okay, so they're going to be ahead of England, and they have Wales currently are uh, forty. Is that right? Yeah, forty-four. Um, points difference points so behind 44. them 44 so the most likely place for England to finish is 4th but could be 5th depending. It, well, well I mean you might say it's more likely that they'll be 5th than 4th Wales will Wales will put 30 points on Italy yeah and if England then England lose, lose by, by 15, 15 yeah so that would be 2 5th place finishes on the bounce for England that's tough it's tricky to explain away isn't it it is very tough very very tough and I wouldn't like to be explaining that way. Would Would you like to try and explain that way? No, no. You uh, no. that that just look back on that opening day and think if England played well, actually, if England played as well as they did against Ireland against Scotland, they they win that. There's, they were England, poor. Yeah, England were very poor in that first game. Yeah. But funny enough, so, go on. yesterday is interesting that England yeah. performance because. There's a lot, um, I've seen Genji and Jamie George and others saying it's kind of like uh, a proud in defeat. And I think, so there are positives to take out of that game. There are also some big negatives. And I'm not talking about the Charlie Yules incident, although for Charlie Yules, that's his third head-on-head red card. Yeah. That, <laughs> that is just unacceptable. I mean, James Ryan is six foot seven. And he was upright to hit him in the head. A guy who's six foot seven and upright in the head. There is something wrong with your tackle technique if that happens. <sighs> Can I make a small mitigating argument for Charlie Eels? It's not yes, much please. Of one, but I'm going to try. Go on. Not to do with the tackle technique. You are right on that. A lot of chat pre-game was about Ireland not facing South Africa of all teams since 2019. Didn't they beat them last year? Don't know. In- but let's just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a, yeah. so there a lot of <laughs> yeah so, so you're going to say, say but this Eddie Jones is saying they've not had a physical game for a long time they've not played South Africa for um, a certain amount of time yada 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 I'm sure 2019 came up could be wrong but I'll blame, blame Eddie blame Eddie and he's saying we're going to have a really really physical afternoon I don't doubt that but within the space of the first 20 minutes you lose one of the most physical men in rugby Tom Curry uh, one of your props has a concussion. Is that Sinks? Sinkler went off with a concussion. Sinkler went off with a concussion. And your second row 
has had a head-to-head. And I wonder if... and I am not the sort of guy that says, I don't want physical rugby. I love physical rugby. But maybe there's just a point of diminishing returns where... You know, are you really going to out-physical another international team? Are by you that trying margin? to lay Tom Curry's injury, Carl Sinclair's head uh, knock, and Charlie? Well, Charlie and, and put Charlie Alls to one yeah. side. Are you trying to lay, lay those at Eddie Jones's door? No, not really. I'm just saying that because I agree with Eddie. I agree with Eddie 100 that if you come and beat teams up physically, like I've seen England do in the in the past, you win games. And if you get it right and everything clicks on that on that day, fine. But then I also think, what are the chances of you being able to physically dominate absolutely everyone? And if that was his game plan, maybe take your foot off the pedal a little bit and try something slightly more nuanced. Because I do think coming out all guns blazing it can lead to adverse consequences, like Charlie Yules, like mm. Carl Sinclair, like the injury to Tom Curry. That sounds now, like you're putting Tom Curry and Carl Sinclair at Eddie Jones's door. Well, I'm not really... I'm just saying, you know, if they, if, if that... If the number one goal is physicality, there is a price to pay for that. I mean, Tom Curry's he pulled his hamstring, didn't he? Uh, did he? Yeah, he sure. was chasing a kick and he pulled, uh, okay. pulled, so it, pulled he in the back really, of his leg. Yeah, um, and Sinker was just a head clash, mm. wasn't it? Well, but the Charlie Yule's is poor tackle technique from Yule's. Um, Ireland didn't play South Africa last year, so ah, so it's twenty nineteen. What was it? Uh, well, was yeah, it? it will be. Yeah, yeah, because South Africa hadn't played since the World Cup in. 2021, of course, for the Lions talk. I think Eddie Jones approached Ireland exactly the same way that I would approach Ireland, which is they don't play physical rugby. They haven't played much for a long time. And he was wrong, like I'd have been wrong. Well, interestingly, England did get the upper hand in one area. They played played France earlier in Six Nations anyway. Oh, no, Eddie actually uh, addressed that. He said, we're different to France. Oh, no, no, I know that, (laughs) but in terms of Ireland... The suggestion that Ireland yeah, haven't Chris faced Jones a physical team when they're... Chris Jones asked him, he said, well, what France? Because we're very different to France. Yeah. <laughs> very di- they won't have seen a team like us. That's actually, it's a great interview. Uh, Eddie, I always take things that Eddie says with a pinch of salt. I mean, did yeah. you hear his barista anecdote no, in the I'd midweek like press conference? No. It's it, just... sounds like, it sounds like Jamie George and Elliot Daly probably, could... probably gave him this story. It could have been. He might have, because he said, oh, I went in, went, in, went in for a coffee, mate. And uh, the barista says... Barista <laughs> says that island team and my terrible mate, accent. Mate, mate, have a beer, oh, mate, mate. Have a beer, have mate. He's very whiny, isn't he? He's very it? whiny. But he said um, the barista when he went in for this coffee says the island team's the best island team. You've got no chance. They're massive favourites. All the island ex pros say that Ireland are going to win. All the England ex pros say that England are going to win. So how are you going to play the game? I'm like, Eddie, that never happened. <laughs> you just made up a conversation well, with, with a barista. I know, there's lots of places where it wouldn't happen in Liverpool, wouldn't it, happen in Manchester. It, it might, might happen in Gloucester. Happen, it might happen in Auckland. Auckland, it might happen? Or Christchurch. Like, handful, it might happen in Cape Town. Do you reckon, I don't think the... handful of places on the planet that would happen. I don't think that the New Zealand rugby public... Oh, New Zealand International Women's Day, we'll have to get, get, get that later. Um... <laughs> um I do not think the New Zealand rugby club, uh, rugby public, is nearly broad enough thinking to consider Ireland versus England. They're completely uh, self-absorbed with their uh, own stuff. I'm not sure. I Bath, think, I think maybe he went for a coffee and bath inside mate. the stadium. Yeah, so he he may hum, or may not have uh, embellished or fabricated a story <laughs> entirely fabricated to to uh, to make the point that Ireland are the are you uh, saying the that, big favourites for are the Are you game? saying that Eddie Jones? 
is rugby's Jesse Smollett. <laughs> <laughs> Juicy Smollier. Smollier. <laughs> have you seen French, the Dave Chappelle yeah, bit? Very French actor. Yeah, if you don't know who Jesse Smollett is, <laughs> then <laughs> look at the news. And if you haven't seen the Dave Chappelle bit on Juicy Smollier, then it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah that's an amazing bit. Uh, um, so, yeah, I'd, my, I guess my point is, I take most things... I do take most things. I take almost everything that Eddie says in a press conference with a massive pinch Take him of salt. seriously, not literally, is maybe the best way to do it. So... England, they did get uh, an upper hand physically mm. on certainly in one plane of the game, the scrum. Yeah, and I, I was amazed. Massively, Ty, so Ty Furlong got pumped. Yeah, yeah. I, it's because so he has got no game tape of um, Jack Noel scrummaging. Yeah, and Jack <laughs> Noel behind Ellis Gens exactly is just and Eddie, Eddie called that years ago. He did, to be fair. He called Jack Noel could be a flanker years back. And that that was... So, let me just... I said before there were some positives and negatives about England. Some of the positives, I think some of the players were immense. I thought Marrow Again. Marrow was... He almost didn't play because he was ill 24 hours before the game. He was unbelievably good. Yeah. Courtney was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I thought um, Joe Marchant had a really good defensive game. I thought Genji's scrummaging, that's the best I've ever seen Genji scrummage. Yeah. He was sensational in that regard. I thought some of the work that Jamie George did yeah. around the park brilliant was brilliant. Game. All of those positives are entirely individual work rate and defensive positives. The enormous, enormous negative from England, their attack has just failed to get going all tournament. Agreed. And they had, in this game, they had... Dominant in the air, they were dominant in the kick chase, although they did concede a couple of 50-22s from mm. uh, Andrew Conway. But they had general dominance in the air, and the kick chase was brilliant. They had a totally dominant scrum, which led to Ireland giving away 15 penalties to England's eight. And England did nothing with it except take a few three points. Yeah. Uh, that, it was so disappointing. If England had been half as clinical as Ireland, England probably would would have won by... The the reverse scoreline. Yeah. The flip side of it, Ireland, they were far more clinical. They got far better offloading game, and they incredibly well um, absorbed a lot of the pressure that England put on them through both the referee and the kick chase and the scrum, and also when the crowd was getting behind England late on in that first half and and through most of the second half, Ireland did incredibly well to calm things down. Absorb, 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 and then when the time was right, strike. It was a, it was a, a very, very good performance from Ireland. Uh, all I around. agree. I agree with everything you said. I, I want to also want to give a little shout out to Sam Simmons. I thought it was great seeing him playing the way we know Sam Simmons can play. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It, I liked how he carried. He does show he brings something different. He's so lively on his feet. He's so explosive. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I know why Exeter do things the Exeter way and how they build, build, build their team. But he's, I think he's worth it. It's a big thing, mm. but I, th- I think he is. And I think with Tom Curry and Courtney Laws, you've got the size there to justify it. Or Tom Curry and Jack Noel. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but England, uh, and the, the, that attack piece, I, di- I don't think Smith is getting the platform that he needs. I don't know, I'm not smart enough to understand why, yeah. but he's, he's not playing well. And I don't know, I was thinking about this, um, Randall didn't have a good game, and... Um, See, he's been talked up as, as as having quite a good game, and I think that's because he had some moments where he did he did the he did the quick sn- the, snipey things. 
<laughs> but the but, but the fundamentals, I'm kind of with you a little bit. There's, it's the thin slices. Yeah, he does he does some brilliant because he's such a live wire player. He does some things brilliantly and looks like a live wire. Some of the thin slices, uh, sorry, they they are the th- thin slices. Some of it, when you look at the bigger picture of his defensive positioning in the line, um, some of his box kicking was awful, and I think some of his ball was actually slow um, to Marcus Smith. But I don't know if it's if it's that. I don't know if it's the fact that Slade's not really a 12 and certainly he's not a 12 like Esther Hazen is a 12 um, and you've got another combination of different centres working. So I don't know if it's the, the inside-outside thing but Marcus Smith isn't playing anywhere near like what no, he plays for he's not. for Quinns. And he, and he, that could he actually just be international done, rugby versus club yeah, rugby. It, it could, could well. Danny Care? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, it could be. It could be. Yeah, yeah, difference between Danny Care and... Harry Rundle, you know, being able to find Dombrand on those clever little lines. No, I mean, it take, these things take a lot of time, don't they, to get a, a settled partnership. <coughs> the other thing, as well, is uh, it's kind of extension to what you said. But where's the focal point for the England attack? You know, Stewart's a great player, love him. Not really a strike runner, so you don't have anyone coming in from fullback. I do like the wings, but neither of them are. You know, they're, they're sort of very busy, very good all rounders. Neither of them are a focal point of attack. Mm. And then you got Marchant, who's awesome. But just I thought Marchant quite together. Marchant did really, really well in defence. Mm. I, well, I didn't see yeah. him in attack. Yeah, with, with the exception of uh, what was it against South Africa? It was Ben Young started, Rafi Quirk off the bench. But uh, with but that that ten twelve thirteen was what finished the game against South Africa that England won in the autumn. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm sold on Slade being a starter. I think yeah. I'm sold on him being at being at twelve too. You just got to stick with them. Like yeah, you stick with. If you're going to go with Mark Smith, you got to stick stick with them, uh, and you got to stick with Slade. Then, I think they're brilliant. But then, you, but then there are jobs that need to be fulfilled in a team, like you talked about getting over the game line. There's yeah. certain things like that that need to Do be. You know fulfilled who they in a would team. kill for? They would kill for a. Uh, what's his name? I don't want to say Ollie because that's who I went to school with. Uh, Cuthbert. Alex, <laughs> Alex Cuthbert. Alex Cuthbert. Yeah. yeah, just someone like that. Just yeah. an absolute horse. Big strong boy, big strong boy coming in off the wing. Uh, Ga- a Gail, a Gail Ficker would be brilliant, brilliant for Will Muir's very much in the Alex Cuthbert mould. Uh, Will Muir wouldn't. They could do a not lot. Not quite as big. Will Muir. Will Muir, not quite as big, no. But yeah, you, you could use him. You could use someone like Ollie Hassel Collins. Yes, Paolo Adogu. Doggers, doggers. Not, not quite as tall as Cuthbert. No, no. But nice wide hips. But someone who does something else. Yeah. You know, get over the game line. They don't seem to get, they all want to, they all seem to want to pass or dance, and there's not really much in between. Yeah. And in some cases, it's pass and dance, but not go forward. <laughs> I was going a bit like mad in a good way uh, at 60 minutes. Like my, my daughter actually came up, uh, came up to see me. I was, um, and just the, to, what's going position. on? Is everything all right? Because I was just going, God, <laughs> come on! <laughs> I was going spare because I, I thought, and at fifteen all, I was like, this is on. My God, this is going to be one of the great, great wins. Yeah, and then it kind of ran out of steam. Yeah, and understandable because they were working. But they, this, I guess, I'm going back to my point that they, so many players worked so hard, but England didn't work smart. Because they were working too hard to just to just keep afloat. I always think, think about England. I've to, I, this has been my theory about England for a long time. So they beat the All Blacks. Remember when Tom Youngs throws that amazing pass over to Chris Ashton and dives in? And that was based on exactly the same thing, which we're criticising them for, which is just this incredible physical work. Did they break. lose that game? No, they won that one. 
It was like, that was 2018, wasn't it? Yeah. And the little floating pass, Chris Ashton goes in the corner. I and thought they... that was the game where Sam Underhill... Did he get a yellow card? Maybe. But they definitely won it. You sure? I'm one million percent sure. Uh, JB's not going to... Would not forget any time England lost. Yeah. That, that, that is, is true. Great point. Yeah. Uh, did they? Did they? Maybe. Maybe that's the point I was going to make, which is they came out all organs blazing and then they couldn't maintain it. Yeah, that's, I think, what yeah, happened. Yeah, may- maybe they did lose then, because that would have been my theory. So you are mil- one million percent sure they won, and sure also won. you're 100% sure they lost. <laughs> yeah, I am pretty confident it's one of these two. It's, it's the definitely... Odds, the odds are 33 to 1, according to uh, the bookies, when it, come, when it comes to a rugby draw. Ashton scored after one minute. That's it? Yeah. Uh, I'm showing them when. Do, do you know who else got the tries? There were two other tries. New Zealand scored one via their uh, starting 15. Oh, I thought you were going to say via Fafita. Gone. Oh, no, right. via their starting 15, who was? The starting 15. The starting 15. The starting fullback. Damien McKenzie was. D-Mac. And England starting hooker scored the other try. Should have been. Hartley. Jamie it George. was Hartley. Was it Hartley? Yeah, Hartley. still. And England lost. Ah, 15-16. So maybe that was my point. That you were a million percent yeah. certain yeah, that England lost. Yeah, a million percent certain that they won, but they actually lost. Yes. yes. But yeah, I just remember that game because they worked very, 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 very hard, they, and that was the blueprint. Well, that and that was that was what England was successful at for quite a long period of time, where they scored in the first four or five minutes in over that in the run-up to the World Cup. Almost every game in that two-year period in the Rooks World Cup, they'd scored within five minutes. They scored a try within yeah. five minutes. They did the same against New Zealand in the semi-final, where they looked absolutely amazing. And then they did. They do have this tendency to drop off towards the end of the game. Yeah. So here is my thing: if you've got the work rate bit right, but you're not getting over, over the game line, you're just on. Uh, well, you're waiting to lose effectively. Because you're not going to be that, that that effective. Now, there's two ways to look at this. Number one is you're only a Manu to a Langi away from winning. <laughs> the other way to look at this is that if you're only a Manu to a Langi away from winning, you're miles away you're, from winning. You're never going to win. Yeah, you're never going to win they anything don't really ever again. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Two words I'm going to say, which, um, again, it's, it's not cool, it's not popular, and uh, people like to not say it, but I'm just going to say Owen Farrell. What? Yesterday's the kind of day I would have loved Owen Farrell. <coughs> what would he do? Well, he, would have been, he would have been playing 12 and he would have been an extra... Like, and, and you, don't, ma- you don't need any more hands. That, that, that's and, ma- sure. and maybe if Marcus Smith isn't 
uh, you know, having, having his greatest game, you just go, do you know what? Just sit, what? sit in a 10 and get us in the right part of the pitch. I do think that Owen Farrell would have managed it equally as well, if not better than Marcus Smith. I think he'd be in a better position in this type of game with Owen Farrell. I don't think he is the answer to what England are missing at the moment. I don't think putting him at 12 rather than Slade doesn't really make much of a difference to me. Putting him at 10 make, might make a bit of difference, I, but I, I think I'm just saying losing it. putting him in the team, because yeah. you see what uh, what Mario Toji does for the England pack. It's actually, you know, as, as much as people like to malign him, and, and Owen Farrell isn't quick, he isn't going to have a searing break, he isn't going to score amazing tries, but he, he, ha- he is. Like, mentality, he's what, core skills, and he... Uh, he's almost done bigger. Isn't he? <laughs> he's very. He's they're very similar. Aren't very they? similar to Dan Bigger. Very, very similar, similar to Dan Bigger. I totally agree with you. Yeah, he's a better twelve than Dan Bigger. He is a better twelve than Dan Bigger, but Dan Bigger's better ten than Farrell. So you know, swings and roundabouts. Uh, I think you can never say not having the captain. Sorry, you can never say having not having your captain is a good thing. Um, there again, I just don't think it makes much of a difference. They, they needed, they need to go forward. That's what they need. Yeah, but w- when when you're looking around and you're going right, how do we how do we kind of solve this one? I, I think a year a year and a bit out from a World Cup, and I'm not saying I would always start with this um, organization, but people are going, oh, get Ollie Lawrence in. You know, it's yeah, like, I agree it's, like, that. it's like Ollie Lawrence, fine player. Um, Seb Atkinson, get him in. But Seb Atkinson, Ollie Lawrence, we got we got guys. We we uh, you know we we talked last week. I missed out on Chris Harris and Johnny Williams and and Nick Tompkins and stuff. But all of those names that you might want to mention, then you've got a guy with five European Cup wins, with ninety England caps, with a World Cup final appearance. With a European Player of the Year accolade, but not the with, right qualities, unfortunately. No, well, that all I'm calling out is last bollocks. And yeah. this Six Nations without him, it, it demonstrates. What about last Six Nations with him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you make a good point. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. I, I've, I've said my piece. If only Cock and a Singer was really good at rugby, uh, you know, that, <laughs> that, that would be decent. But he's, yeah, yeah. yeah. England just, yeah. I, I think I've said it over and over again. Get over the game line. Just go forward. They need some go forward somewhere. I, I'm amazed it didn't, didn't, didn't come from the pack, but I guess they are a man down as well. Mm. Yeah, it's. I don't know if it necessarily needs to be the get over the game line. That that is. You're looking for some. Sorry, did I say five European Cup wins? You I did meant five. Say, pr- five Premiership. You did say five. five Premiership. Three, three European, European Cup. Cup. Yeah. If you're turning defences, it becomes very hard to defend all, all of a sudden. You, you can turn defences in different ways, can't you? Yes. You don't just need the route one to create the room out, out wide. But England are... And I, I can't put my finger on what it is, but, but England are not... Is it? It's, you know, whatever it is that allows Don Brandt to find those miniature spaces. Now, maybe they don't exist in the international rugby and that's the difference. Maybe, maybe they don't. Maybe. Yeah. Mm. And you have to break down the door and that's when Don Brandt can start running yeah. pickups. If, if, if Leinster were suddenly jettisoned into the Premiership and Don Brandt could still play like that against Le- a full-on Leinster team, then... I think he probably could, actually. Well, you're going to be playing against a full Ulster team who beat Leinster this weekend. Correct, Phil. I was going to mention it, but we're, you know, <laughs> domestic rugby, but you're quite right. Yes. Number yeah. one. Number one in the URC. I'm not as disheartened as as many are, but I'm I'm disappointed. My my big thing is the, the attack has just looked yeah. totally stale. Yeah. And maybe, maybe because Eddie was talking a lot in the week about um, cohesion, and he was referring to the island, the co- cohesion of the island team, which is a real thing because Absolutely they've got is. they've got 
years of playing together as an island team, they also, a lot of the partnerships play together in domestic rugby as well. And that that is real and legitimate within that island team. It is far less so in the England team. Changing the England team frequently gives you less cohesion, so that's not necessarily a good thing. But, well, th- this is exactly the point I was going to make. And the attack is the thing that's been um, struggling most recently. So let's talk about the attack. Martin Gleeson, I'm sure he's a fine coach. Yep. Um, but he's come in for, what was it, the last four months or something like that. He wasn't even the first appointment in that role. And his highest level of playing rugby union is... Um, oral. Was it Oral or Preston yeah. Grasshoppers? Oh, no, hang on. Did he play at Preston? No, Sean Long played at Preston. Did he not play with him at Preston? He might have, but they both played for Oral against Tok H a few years ago. <laughs> there you go. And we beat them, just saying. So I guess that means Gleeson and Long nil, JB1. Mm. In the coaching stakes. In the co- Yeah, so you should be coaching England's attack. I could do that. Yeah. What would, what would be the first thing you, thing you do? Uh, the The drill... Truck and trailer drill. Is it, I'm doing them, that. I'd get them all in and say, who's got any ideas? And the first <laughs> idea, which the first player that came up with an idea, I think we're doing that. <laughs> I agree. I'd be like, no, I'm the boss. <laughs> yeah, it goes in the bin. You're doing laps. Yeah, laps, laps and laps and laps. <laughs> Anyone else got any good ideas? No. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, let's start. <laughs> uh, just on some uh, some emails that have come in, contact deadchasers at gmail.com. Glenn Aston from Chelmsford. Um, just made well, he made several points, but I'm just going to pick up on one. He said uh, England were playing really well when Jones took off Randall for Youngs. Why? Uh, well, I think we kind of covered that. It mm. wasn't Randall's greatest game, but I understand the, also the, the positives he has. Yeah. yeah, let's just remind ourselves why this happens all the time. Same front row. It's hot. It's bloody hard position. Like if you look at the amount of uh, the amount of distance scrum halves run, that's why you need two of them. I think they would cover more ground than any other position yeah. on mm, average. They, they will do. Yeah, And yeah. at high speed, and they've got to do their snipes. And I tell you what, it's really hard. And you don't think about this. Passing a ball is bloody hard. Um, a little side story here. I was watching Rafi Quirk. Broughton Park's Rafi Quirk. Park's actually, Rafi yeah. Quirk, yeah. Uh, and this is like two or three years ago, with his coach at Carrington, passing a ball. And this sounds really, really basic, but he's doing five passes from the deck to his coach's hand, and his coach must be standing about 10, 15 yards away. But these passes were as hard as he physically could do it, and it looked absolutely exhausting. It was a good, like, 15 minutes of this. One, two, three, bang, four, bang, five. Bang. Set him down, another hand. One, two, three, four, five. It looked absolutely exhausting. And that's what they've got to do all the time. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a tactical change for the scrum off to come on. It's just the sheer amount of work rate he's got to do. Mm, yeah. And if you, if you want quick ball which most people do most of the time, most teams do yeah. most of the time, you've got to be there and on it. Digging, passing, yeah. digging. Yeah. It's horrible. Shouting, digging, Shouting passing. as well. Uh, he also highlighted Genj Vermala and March of Adeli. I think the same, the same, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, the same things apply. And I, I guess the, the point here would be that uh, you need 23 world-class players to win, or yeah. 23 high-quality players to win a World Cup, and that's that's got to be the... Uh, yeah, to win yeah. a World Cup, you need 30, 30, 30 yeah. or 31 high-quality players. Correct. Yeah. Um, this one um, from Hugh Black. He says, to what extent does the international calibre of player work in favour of players either getting carded or not getting carded? The reason for this was watching Furlong against England. Multiple in- infringements, but no card. 
I suppose on the penalties mm. alone, on, on the scrums alone, had that been a wet behind the ears guy, I would have seen like repeated penalties, like seriously, you've got to sort this out or mm. you're gone. Mm. Uh, and he says, are there any other players like this who get the rub of the green because of how world-class Rich- they are? Richie McCall. Richie McCall Richie being McCall. the obvious Definitely. one, Hugh says. It, it, that is a thing, I think. You can't help but... Well, but, Alan Wynn. Yeah, yeah 100%. I, I think I think Maru often gets it as well. Yeah, well, Maru does some but horribly Mar- illegal things. Yeah. He, there was was it autumn or Six Nations last year where he got pinged? I think it was Six Nations last year because he wasn't playing at the highest level, as in he was playing in the championship. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone attributed it to the fact that he's not playing in the Premiership. Being able to manipulate referees, yeah, as and when. yeah. But he, Marrow gets away with so much because he is so bloody good. Thing is, if you're a ref and you're thinking like post post match beers with the boys because they all like to mix. You don't want to be on Mario's bad side, do you? <laughs> I bet he gets to all the best parties. And if you're hanging around with Mario post Twickenham, all the uh, Ralph Lauren parties. Exactly. I mean, not that refs are not famous or well known. Some of them are, but a lot of them are fairly innocuous. If you, if you saw them on the street, they're not getting into VIP. <laughs> but if you're with Mario, if you're with Mario, maybe. Yeah, I'm just saying, maybe. Yeah. Uh, there are people watching Six Nations from all around the world. Gavin Hegarty sent us a little picture of his hotel room in Vegas, ah, awesome. where, he, where he was poolside. Oh, yeah, um, lovely, the Venetian in Vegas, uh, very hungover, <laughs> but uh, catching up on the pod and watched Wales v France in the sports pit in the MGM earlier. Nice. And watching England, watched England Island at 8.45am. Oh, I want to do... You boys are in Lisbon next week. Oh, yeah. you, I mean, you could have come. Are you going to watch any rugby? Yeah, but, yeah, of course, yeah, of course we are. school game got cancelled. But... Yeah, yeah, gone. <laughs> I'm freelance. I don't get a holiday pay from work. Same, same. Beardborn Co. Independent, <laughs> financial, <laughs> independent financial advisors. Where do you think the name c- c- comes from? We're not a multinational yet. <laughs> Fair enough. So you'll be working from Lisbon on the Friday? Absolutely. Making you a multinational? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> continental, at least. Yeah, yeah. Great point. Um,. Anything else to talk about on this game, or shall we just touch on the last game? Yeah, we'll the weekend t- or touch the... on last game. Um, I- I'm going to confess, I didn't watch it. Nope. So I did watch it. Oh, well oh good. Thank you, Phil. I knew Phil would. That's part of the reason why I didn't. Yeah, yeah, Phil will have don't this. Bother. And I apologise, Scotland fans, but it, it was actually the same when England played Italy. Yeah, and Wales. And I when Wales played Italy. Next I'm... week. Scotland were the better team and always looked like they were going to win. However, there was a moment where half time Italy go in. Uh, sorry, Scotland go in 19-10 up. I think the s- their second try, second or third try, was Italy were attacking on Scotland's line and they throw an intercept and uh, Ali Price didn't quite have the wheels to get there, but I think it was Chris Harris who scores two phases later. That was, one team is scoring that try. It's either Italy or, as it happens, Scotland. That's a 14-point swing. Italy legitimately could have gone up at half-time, in which case this game would have been far, far more interesting. Yeah. As it happens, they didn't. Scotland then performed much better early yeah. on in the second Big half. Big 14-point swing, wasn't there? That was Yeah. Close. And the young uh, rugby pixie, uh, I'll say his name wrong, but Capu- Capuoso, Capu- Capuoso, okay. who could only be about nine and a half stone. Oh, yes. I know this boy. Yeah. He... Took his tries absolutely brilliantly. He looked yeah, electric. He, he was like the um, seventy-one kilograms, apparently. Se- yeah, apparently. He, I mean, that's, is that official? Is that is that official? Have you weighed scales him? or official JB? Well, I'm I'm off to weigh him soon. I, I'm not. I, uh, you could snatch him. 
I'm not sure you should. Work. He looks. T- I could. He looks too young for you to be manhandling him, JB. There might be some kind of restraining order yeah. going. He's twenty-two. He's listed. He's listed on um, Wikipedia as sixty-eight kilos. He's, he's like a jockey. I, I bet he'd have good enough um, conditioning that he could hold himself in a rigid bar-like position for you to actually snatch him. O- overhead could. snatch. That'd be amazing. He, he is the second coming of Matteo Minotti. Mm. He's like the, the same guy. Um, he but he took his he took his two tries brilliantly yeah. to make it so it, the scoreline looked better for Italy than it was. However, if the that um, intercept had not gone to Ali Price and gone to Italian hands and Italy score there, it would have been a much much more interesting game. I feel bad for not watching this live and and watching it back and fast forwarding through loads of it. Um, I do feel bad for that, and I don't want to keep going on about Italy. I'm not saying, oh, get them out. That's not what I'm saying. But um, I, I, no one wants them to be really good. I, the, the games where Sergio Parise led his Italian team to beat France, some of the great Six Nations games watching that. Mm. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm willing it to happen. It's just, I think it's a long, who, it's a long, long road ahead. Who was the Italian 10, who we never heard of again? Uh, Polynesian fella. Oh, uh, oh, Kelly Haimoina. That's the one. That's the one. So I, I just saw that they had a Toa Halafia. They're playing eight. Eight playing eight. Yeah. Just trying to remember what Halafia. Yeah, that's the one. He, he's a good player. I mean, they've got some good players. Their two wingers are awesome. Yeah, they're great. So um, Monty. He is very good, isn't he? He's, he's very good, and he works bloody hard. He the gets shape off his wing. That guy is in. He's in tremendous shape. Uh, but the other winger, Bruno. Who plays in France? He's electric. His offload for the Callum Braley try was exceptional, and he works. Oh, they're two legitimately excellent wingers. Um, they've got good players across the board. Paolo or Dogger would do um, would, would do a job there. Doggers would be useful. Yeah, and um, Caden Murley if uh, if Lionel d- doesn't want it. Caden Murley. Caden Murley. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, not sure he's qualified, but yeah, Lionel will do. Uh, yeah, you just feel a bit. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic with Italy, sure, but, but I have been for a little while. But you, that's that is based on so Italy beat um, Scotland. They're under twenties this weekend, so they they beat England and Scotland this tournament. They've now beaten Scotland four out of the last five in the un, in well, the under twenties. I mean, yeah, I've got a feeling there's a mixture, isn't there? Of like maybe under twenties isn't always what it's cracked up to be. Uh, it doesn't always translate into a great senior squad. And also, what happens to these guys when they're good enough? They go to Zebra and Benetton. Oh, Benetton's had some success. Benetton, current um, Rainbow Cup champions. Forever. Be, yeah, pretty much. So they will be everlasting in, holders. Infinite Rainbow Cup champions. Uh, and then Zebra. I mean, it's like qualifying going to a Welsh region. Like, nothing good is going to happen. Qualifying going to the Dragons. Oh, can I talk about the Dragons later? <laughs> you can, yeah, save it for the end of the MWDP. Yeah. Uh, of course, where would we be? Have you spoken about, enough about this game? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, one, one thing, actually. Oh, no, no, no. One thing I do want to mention is Italians, and this is giving me heart and hope uh, that I will not be so apathetic about watching Italy and the Six Nations in years ahead. Their under-20s have been great. Yeah, yep. that is the point I just exactly. made. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> exactly I was looking at my phone. I'm so sorry, 
so what are we sorry. looking up? What are we looking up? Because you would see even having a conversation about Italy, I just zoned out like, completely. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's really rude. No, but they they have been legitimately good. And I can't believe. I, <laughs> it's been a long weekend. You've you've had all those uh, IKEA wardrobes to put together, oh, mate. Honestly. <laughs> so, um, and Kieran Crowley's a good coach as well. Yeah. So, I mean, and we had all those. Uh, Pull-ups, chest bars, and, oh, and stuff. Did, to did do. we not talk about them? People got, yeah. got, got uh, complaining. I hate thrusters. Oh That's yeah, someone has hate, asked a question. Though. I hate thrusters. <laughs> I don't mind them. Someone has asked us uh, a question about um, about CrossFit on on the emails. Really? And the answer is probably the best person at CrossFit is the only guy who doesn't do CrossFit in, in oh, the yeah. room, which is Phil. Well, he, he proved that by doing. So there's there's a thing called the Open at the moment where it's something that you get ranked along with everyone that does it in the whole world. It's, it's one that happens once a year, and it's a chance to test yourself. And uh, and Phil took an interest in our in the second one we did, which me and JB were just talking about how our hamstrings and lower backs were in bits, and that we thought we both did all right. Yep. Phil, Phil you know, just on his own without people cheering him on, and <laughs> I didn't work out though. Stood there. No, I couldn't. Do, I, I couldn't do it on my own. Phil went and did it on his own in a hotel gym. And beasted the pair of us. Mm. So yeah, unfortunate, very unfortunate. Actually, I've just I just found the email from Owen Alcock, and he said, uh, "As I stumbled on this video of 2016 Trinfield deadlift, I think 220, which must have been well over two times body weight. It was actually 230 on that one, which was <laughs> just just shy of three times body weight. Very, Holy, very sh- nearly three times body weight. Wow." Um, yeah, if, if well, only actually, I'd got... actually that that, that uh, result you got the other day on that uh, session, because de- um, deadlift was part of it, is it's not so impressive. I was lifting <laughs> like more than fifty percent of my max, so well, well over fifty percent of my max. My max at the moment is a lot less than that. Wow. I don't know what my max is. I did uh, two hundred hungover just before Christmas, uh, and I didn't want to. I, yeah, I wouldn't have liked in that state to do. It's an easy. It's more. also a very easy lift to injure yourself. I always get injured doing doing deadlift. I it, I saw someone in in the gym the other day, and I um he he put on he had one ninety on a back squat rack. Right, so he had one hundred and ninety kgs there. He wasn't a massive guy, and I saw him put the one. I saw I saw him with one ninety on. I saw him like cycling himself up and going over to the bar, and I and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this. Cause I know exactly what's gonna happen. He's gonna do. Like three inches. Yeah. He's going to yeah. drop three inches and stand back up again. And then uh, he did a full ass to grass. 190. Squat 190. Mm, nice. Not a big guy. It was. That is impressive. It was awesome. I, I, actually, I walked past him and said. Nice, bro. Nice. nice. <laughs> yes, bro. Yes, bro. Nice warm up. Bro. When you finish bro. your warm up weight, let me have a go. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous, yeah. Um, yeah, International Women's Day. What would we do with that International Women's Day? How inspiring. By the way, I was so inspired by um, all the International Women's Day tweets, but no more so than the All Blacks. Do you know who they decided to put on their International Women's Day tweet? <laughs> I I do because I've had a very brief glimpse at um, uh, a few tweets about it, but I don't. I know very little to be well, honest. One of them's legit, and the other one's a bit silly, isn't it? So they used Sevi Reese, and I don't know why you would choose Sevi Reese, but it is possible that. He could change. He's a reformed character. Yeah, I would, I would assume. Also, that, um, I mean, okay, 
So, sorry, before, before you go into this, if you, uh, I only know this because of the second hand I heard all about, I heard on WhatsApp groups and stuff about the, this. Oh, this has caused a controversy. Blissfully unaware of any of this because I'm not on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. And therefore, most people were blissfully unaware. Nevertheless, people love to find something to be uh, outraged about on Twitter. And <laughs> they gave them an opportunity. So on International Women's Day, now, the, the nuance we here... We listened, is what you said. The nuance here, right? Yeah. So, uh, the... All Blacks Twitter account posted a picture saying, basically, our 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 players wouldn't be anything without their. By the way, can I just say completely untrue, completely and utterly untrue. I believe a lot of those players would still be world class players if they hadn't got married, or if you know. Well, it mentioned mothers and stuff as well. So yeah, I, I don't I don't think that you know the fact that. Uh, that I play rugby every week in different positions has got anything to do with my mum, quite if, frankly. If anything, if you were bred in a North Walian test tube, yeah. specifically designed to be the perfect rugby athlete, like, I don't know, Ty Furlong, yeah. or someone else, Lau Mappy, yeah. you would uh, you'd be even better. Yeah, yeah absolutely you're right. Or Ostrakov. Other mums or not. But my natural parents held me back. I could have been... Uh, exactly. I could have been engineered. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that was one a bit silly. The other one... <laughs> what I want to say, because there is nuance here, so the All Blacks posted something saying, international, it's inter- but effectively, I'm paraphrasing, it's International Women's Day, and our players wouldn't be anywhere without their mothers, daughters, wives, uh, and, every, and every other female that, that, that supports them. Um, people kicked off at that. Cause uh, they, by the way, many females that don't support them and do not want them to play on Saturdays. I'll just say that. Because <laughs> that is one of our biggest problems at Talk H are girlfriends and wives not wanting them to play. So it's not always one-way traffic. There. <laughs> See, there's a bit of nuance. Another bit of nuance here is that, um, that there were two things people were upset about. The Severy Reese one, which uh, I, I can understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Come on, I come on, come on. Let's sec- get to it. Let's the get to second it. one is that this... How? Why are you focusing on the men when it's International oh, Women's no, Day? Oh, you missed it, No, 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 because the bit of nuance here is what people didn't realise, and still I think most people don't realise, is that is the at All Blacks Twitter account, which is the Twitter account for the New Zealand men's team. Yeah, it is. They had the Black Ferns yeah. account. They have a, an account for all of their different teams, and they and they put different content out on each of the channels from that team. So, <laughs> well, so stop being so offended by everything. <laughs> Seven reasons. Fair on. enough. But the other offensive character on there was... Aaron Smith. Now, who loves women more than Aaron Smith? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anyone who would Another be celebrating... Another much-needed bit of nuance, Jamie. Yeah. I can't think of anyone who would be celebrating more heavily International Women's Day than I mean, Aaron Smith. Some people, some people when they're <laughs> travelling um, internationally, just... Think about things like, oh, I just need to have a shower to freshen up or maybe yeah. I'll grab some food. Aaron Smith thinks women. All, all the time. All the time. So I don't know what they're injured about. <laughs> and there. anywhere. What, here in a toilet? Uh-huh. Yes. Anywhere. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I don't and get what, what the first one on, on the second one was. But stop being stop being offended by everything. Well, it's my yearly it's my, it's my my yearly cue and I'm, I'm big into International Women's Day. I'm not like you, Tim. I'm big into it. It's my yearly time to post my picture of Margaret Thatcher. So, <laughs> absolutely fine with it. Well, very good. Uh, what, what the same people that um, were especially offended, and I, the Severus thing, I understand. Uh, <coughs> the same people that were incredibly <laughs> offended. Right, to be fair, yeah, yeah. it's a ridiculous yeah, idea. That, that ridiculous what are they thinking? Idea. That is a ridiculous that is idea. Pretty crazy. The same people really offended are also the same people that won't answer the question: "What's a woman?" Yep, yeah, it's very true. It's, it's very true. Mm. 
right. fixtures next week. Uh, so we got Wales hosting Italy. This is Super Saturday. So we won't watch the first one, or will we? Uh, we'll see. We'll see so how Friday night goes. Yeah. I'll watch that for you, lads. Thanks. You have a yeah, good time. Yeah, that's that's a good point, Tim. We don't even know where we're watching, but we'll find somewhere. We'll find a rooftop bar at altitude. Yes, yep. it will not be at sea level. Yeah, that's all you can say for certain. That's one hundred percent true. One hundred percent true. Um, yeah, we will. Have watch we, have we got anything else planned? No, I've got a map of places I want to go, but whether we've, I, I'm thinking we should go for a run in the morning to see the city. It's a nice way to see a city. It but it's a very hilly. It's the only problem, and I'm not a great runner. Well, let's start high up. It's got seven run di- down. It's got seven different hills. Is that like Sheffield? Sheffield's it, got it, loads of hills. Apparently, they're very it. similar. Yeah, uh, I imagine. Speaking to someone the other day, and they said Porto, uh, Porto, Lisbon's just like Sheffield seven, uh, fifteen years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite that developed yet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe that's our challenge run up all seven hills Ooh, I'm not sure about that I, I I'll be they'll... doing a very if I go for a jog on Saturday which I'd quite like to I'd go for a very very leisurely slow paced jog and some breakfast perfect yes yeah. um, just on, on this someone else contacted us to, to let us know that um, the is it the African no what is it? yeah it's the African um, rugby Championship Quali- yeah. qualification is being held in South France, Marseille, and Aix en Provence. Is now, it now Marseille? We can swerve. Yeah, we entirely. can. Maybe have the odd not night out there and uh, go sure. see some of those not giant rounds. I'm not sure, but Aix en Provence is amazing, as I've contested, as I've testified many times on the pod. But, when is um, this? It's. Uh, I'm just trying to look it up. Now. It's in the summer, I think. I'm I'm very interested in that. And you can get very cheap flights to uh, Aix. Ooh, yeah, so here we go. I don't know why the African Championship is Yeah, Mar- confirm that. Marseille well, and Aon Provence. Uh, so it is... Uh, God, it's, it's across 10 days from the 1st to the 10th of July. And it is a knockout tournament. Is it? That sounds cool. So, Do you fancy a bit of that? Yes. Namibia b- play Burkina Faso. In, okay. Uh, Zimbabwe play the Ivory Coast. Senegal play Algeria. And Uganda play Kenya in the first round of qualifications. So no Mauritius, no? Nope. Interesting. Not in this. Oh, sorry, Madagascar. No Madagascar. Madagascar's one, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, some of the videos of Madagascar playing at home look awesome. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind expensing that as a work trip. Now, in... Okay, so this was... So there's, they've already had some pool games to lead to... So Madagascar... Ah, here we go. So Madagascar in the same pool as Namibia and Ivory Coast. Now, they pl- all played each other once. Madagascar won one. So they all won one. Ivory Coast won one. So Ivory Coast beat Namibia. Namibia beat Madagascar. And then Madagascar beat Ivory Coast. On points difference, Madagascar oh, missed out. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So anyway, that's one to watch out for the summer. Possibly a little trip to the south of France. Yeah. Watch a bit of knockout, knockout African rugby. 100% in. As long as we don't have to go anywhere near Marseille. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll fly, fly it, fly, fly it, fly yeah. It. We'll, we'll just watch the games at Aix-en-Provence and, yeah, Marseille. I imagine I imagine Marseille is nicer in the summer than it was midwinter when we went. And the rats were all out, massive. Yeah. Yes, uh, no, no. It must be nice. It must be nicer. There must be nice parts that we just haven't seen. Doubt yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, very much doubt it. Yeah, right. I'm not, I'm not going to find out, but there must be. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me know if you find some. Yeah, sorry, fixtures. Okay. So fixtures. I'll, I'll take care of the first game, so you guys can. Perfect. You can be out. You can be at altitude. Okay, so it's going to be Wales win, um, Ireland I- win, Ireland win, and France win. There you go. 
Yes. Now, my, my hope for the England game, because I, I, I want England to win, um, my hope is that actually their kicking duel, uh, where they generally got the better of Ireland, will, is that's one area where France, I don't think, have been as strong. Um, and I think Wales got on top of France this weekend. So that's it's got to be an area to target them. I think the scrum might be... Um, even though Ireland is a very good scrummaging unit, the French scrummaging unit is even bigger, m- much bigger. So I don't, not sure England are going to get the same change out of them. So if they try and attack yeah. the scrum in the same way they did Ireland, I think that could lead to penalties against England rather than for them. So they, they've got to uh, curb that a little bit. But I still think France are going to win. I think France will win by eight points. I yeah, I think France by. I think it could be for more than that. I think it could be France by eleven. France by eleven. So France are going to win their first tournament since. Do you know what what year they last won it? I'm going to say 2013. 2013. Uh, 2015. Earlier. Oh no, 2009. 2010. What? Wow. Yeah, first wow. first win since 2010. I've got. Yeah, Let alone a Grand Slam. Their last Grand Slam. Or did they win it with a Grand Slam then? They did win with a Grand Slam then. Wow. They they're all or nothing then. They're all in or they're a shambles. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, they have had, in 2013, which you mentioned initially, Tim, that's their only wooden spoon. Who, who was their coach? I said 2015, actually. JB oh, yeah, 2013. Sorry, you said 2013, Jimmy. Who was their coach? In 2010. Not Bernard Lepore, surely. Yeah, well, Levermont was the coach the following year for the World Cup, so I assume oh, it was Levermont. That was a beautiful shambles, that, wasn't it? Wasn't that it was the player revolt and oh, Aaron Ordecke, uh, amongst others, took charge. Glorious. Yeah. So yeah, let's say Mark Levermont. Yeah, yeah, blame it on him. I wonder what he's doing with himself now. Who knows? Just looking awesome, probably yeah. as part of it. I don't know what he's actually doing, the rest of it, but he's walking around looking amazing. Question, JB, you like some uh, bold style statements. Oh yeah. If you needed to, would you ever wear uh, Fabien Gautier's yeah. glasses? Bold style <laughs> statements? I thought yeah. you meant like, um, you know, verbally. <laughs> um, you do that as well. Yeah. No, I would not wear those glasses, is the answer. But there again, I don't wear glasses, so I'm not... Yeah, if you, if you needed glasses. I mean, you can always get them with clear lenses. Yeah. Now, does he have them for a reason? Has he got glycoma or something? I don't think it's like an Edgar <laughs> David situation. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is just... I could be totally wrong and apologies, <laughs> Fabian, if, if I'm getting All right, let's, let's piece an outfit together. Would you wear Yannick Nianga's scarf that he wore? Yes, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in with that. He's a very cool man. Yeah, he Nyanga is cool. Nyanga, I'd, I'd, I'd take. I'd definitely wear that. Yep. Would you have, this was a question on a WhatsApp group the other day, would, would you You have to have, you get all of his money, but for the rest of your life, you have to have his hair, no hats, no covering it up, no burning it off, Mark Zuckerberg. Yes. His, his, hair, his hair is an absolute disgrace. You'd want it to fall out, wouldn't you? You'd, I'd, I'd be like, um, spraying hairspray while charring my creme brulee <laughs> all over the place. He's smoking in the petrol station with that with that head of hair. Excellent. It yeah. is a disgrace. I, w- I would take the money off. I would. I would also take the money. I, I would take it's the money. It's an absolute that. disgrace. It is. Um, it's. I think it might be that because because he um, and a lot of rich uh, wealthy people do this. They they will have one type of t shirt. 
Yeah, which is uh, Zuckerberg does. So there's one less decision to make every day. Yeah, that's an Einstein thing, isn't it's it? That's an Einstein thing. And I think maybe that's just it. If I just... <laughs> just uh, maybe there are there, some things there is a point in your life though where you you have you get stuck with the same hair it's like you get to an age and then that's the hair you have you know, forevermore lockdown was good for that it did make because people it made people it grow their hair yeah I had a few interesting looks during lockdown. You did. The, the mullet was, in, was the mullet with the moustache at yeah, the same time. That was yeah, brilliant. Man, man. I had that for about two weeks. But that's why you get and and quite a lot of them in Wales actually. That's why you get a, a, men of a certain age in their like sixties and seventies now with that old school teddy boy haircut. Mm. Like the, uh, and it's because when they were like twenty seven, it was like that's that, that was. was the hair they had, and that's the hair they have forevermore. Mark Zuckerberg's is. Zucker- just... I mean, look at that. <laughs> It's an absolute disgrace. How much money does he have? Who's doing that to him? So there are some things which I think very rich people do. Like, but they maybe some rich people do it, but then lots of other not quite so rich people copy them because that's what they think rich people should do. More to point, successful people do. So like the the one type of T-shirt, for instance, Mm. that's um, one thing. The other thing which I, I I've heard quite a lot of is. Most successful people read 50 books a year. I don't believe them. I, I don't I, think that you can even come close. I don't, I don't think you can read 50. So I, I read 13 books last year, and I kind of challenged myself to do to read one a month. Yeah. And it's, I read some brilliant books, but it's also hard going sometimes. Yeah, I've, well, I'm just looking at my audio books. I've got, I've had, I've got 27 done so far. Um, most of which I don't finish. Well, there, there's... And how many, how many do you reading whilst you're asleep? Oh, yeah, when they run out. Damn it. Read, yeah. Reading is more time-consuming than audiobooks as well. Because you can't, you can't read while you're driving. No, you can't. I've tried. Uh, it's difficult. <laughs> Please do not read while you're <laughs> yeah. driving. Uh, do, you want, do you want to know which books I've, I've just started? Go on. You, you, uh, you know this. Yeah. But I'll tell Tim. I've started the, the Flashman books. Mm. Uh, have you now? They are brilliant. Yeah, they're absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And all the, uh, I was saying to Phil uh, uh, earlier on, all the characters, you think that they're made up because you don't know really what's going on. And then you realise all the characters are real people, except for Flashman. Mm. So he talks about the Duke of Wellington, he talks about um, all these uh, all these um, generals and whatnot. And you actually end up learning quite a lot about history. I had no idea about the 44th in uh, Afghanistan. But it's, it's bloody brilliant. Mm. It's jarring, though. Some of the racist language is incredibly jarring because we just... It, it, yeah. I can see why they might not be around for much longer, but it's um, one hell of a book. They're one hell of a series. Interesting. Mm. Boris Johnson is 100% Flashman. <laughs> a coward who fails upwards. A coward who fails upwards. When the history books are written about him, he'll have solved COVID, got us out of the EU, and you know, beaten the Russians, and it'll all be by accidents. <laughs> and a few other things yeah, as well. And a few other things, and he'll, he is literally Flashman. <laughs> by the way, just on the Mars Zuckerberg thing, I've got an answer to your question, who is doing that to him? It's his wife. That uh, makes that makes sense. How, there's yeah, there's a, a picture which um, is on the Know Your Meme website. So it's clearly a, a lots. You're not alone in not being a, being bewildered looking at Mark Zuckerberg's hair, but his wife cuts it at home. My wife was desperate to cut my hair during lockdown. You're too handsome, Phil. That's what it is. There's no way you want to clip your wings. <laughs> right. No way. I was trusting her with that. Right. Finish off. Uh, but be a big game to watch out for uh, Spain going to Georgia in the deci- decisive mm. game in the Rugby Europe Championship. And if you're in, um, if you're in Lisbon, Lisbon, drop JB and I a note on Twitter or 
contact edchasers, contact edchasers at gmail.com yeah and thanks to all the emails sorry if I didn't get to yours uh, we, we do read them and we really appreciate them as we do your support by hitting subscribe uh, by leaving a five star review or by going to patreon.com forward slash edchasers let the boys play even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.